So it appears Newcastle are linked with every Tom, Dick and Harry. England disappoint and France win the Nations League. This is the It's Football Day podcast, episode number 55. Let's have some fun. That's right, episode 55 of the podcast, here we go, it's football day, I've said that way too much this week, because I was at the the England game on Tuesday, and all I was doing was walking around going, it's football day. <laughs> Promoting us on uh, on a trip to the game, you yeah, know. Um, we'll get on to the England game, but obviously you've got the, uh, the Newcastle topic to talk about, and... Yeah, it sounds like you've got a bit of a blank checkbook uh, at your disposal. It, it definitely feels that way. All of it's unrealistic. Like, I don't think all of this is happening in January, even if like one or two of them happen in January. But we've been linked with some big names. So uh, we've been linked with potentially Timo Werner of your club, Chelsea. Uh, so obviously, great player. Doesn't net a lot, but... You know, it, he does so many good things for the team. He would fit in well maybe with a Callum Wilson and the same maximum. So maybe Wilson up top, Werner on the left, same maximum on the right or switch the other way around. That that would be... Why am I talking like this is like actually... <laughs> it's so funny, isn't it? It's so funny. Just the massive transition of just Newcastle being massive and everywhere. But uh, yeah, like I've seen so many links for for your club this week and... You'd normally like in just any normal, like aspect, just think, "What the fuck are these lot on about?" But it's actually the case. Um, I don't want you to have Timo Werner. Um, I don't think you'll have Timo Werner. But is Newcastle mate? They can literally have who they want. Yeah, money's no object for us. So some of the big names that we've been linked with. So you've got Timo Werner, as we said. The young wonder kid, Alexander Isak, uh, the Swedish youngster who scored a banger midweek. It was mm-hmm. absolutely incredible, that goal. So we're linked with him. He had a great Euros and is doing really well in his league. So I'd like the idea of him because he's kind of, he's young and he's young enough to be like a wonder kid, but he isn't a proven player yet. Do you know what I mean? So mm. he's a name that we could actually entice and is a bit more realistic um, than obviously like a Haaland or a Harry Kane. We've also been linked with Lorenzo Insigne, who's only got one year left of his contract. Um, Coutinho, obviously outcast at Barcelona, only 29 still. You'd think he was a bit older for how long he's been around. And then a couple of other players. So Aaron Ramsey could make a return to the Premier League. Um, another Juventus player, Adrian Rabio, has also been linked. And finally, this one I can't see happening at all, is Wesley Fofana of Leicester. He's out injured at the moment. Apparently, he's the kind of centre-back we want to go out and get. But he has solidified his place in the Leicester team. Obviously, he's out injured at the moment and won't be available till next year anyway. But it is mad that we're talking these kind of names. But the one player that has come out this week and has kind of given a bit of hope that it could be a player we sign is uh, Jorginho Wijnaldum. Now, ex-Newcastle player already. Played for Newcastle, was fantastic for us. We got relegated, so he did leave and went on to Liverpool. And obviously, he's gone on to win the Champions League and the league. And then has moved to PSG on a free. And he's come out and said, look, I'm not happy with the playing time I'm get here. I've won a league and I've won a Champions League and I'm not playing as much as I thought I would. And it's not nice to see or not nice to have. So I would love to see him back on Tyneside because I think he is a, a fantastic engine in the midfield. 
Yeah, no, he'd definitely be uh, a big player for you guys. I actually forgot that he used to play for Newcastle. He I think a lot of people do as well. Yeah, no, he was an, he's and he is an absolute player. Um but I know is what's the name of the woman who's like overseen the whole thing? Amanda something, is it? Amanda Stavely, yeah. Yeah, so I seen someone. I think I can't remember who it was, but some reporter said to her like, "A Newcastle now in the position to go after the likes of Mbappe and and Haaland, etc." And she came back, I think, with something like, um, "They're not the priority to begin with. It's got to be the facilities that are done up. So, new training facility, etc." Because she was just like, "If I buy these world class future prospect stars, I've got nowhere good to put them." Apparently, your training facility is crap your stadium needs some like fix into it as well and I quite respected that I was just like yeah I think she's got her priorities right I mean the players will come eventually but if you've got I think she said I think she said or someone said and basically it's like buying a prized horse and not having a stable to put it in is the, uh, the situation yeah our training ground is very well known for being absolute tatters like it is very poor um, I'm, I'm pretty sure like two years ago um, there was photos of the players in paddling pools outside because it was so hot and we don't have like yeah. a swimming pool or anything like that like yeah it's a it's one thing that Mike actually never invested in our academy's awful um, like if you look at the players that have come up from our academy they're very they don't make it at Newcastle Ivan Tony, I know he didn't come up from our academy but we signed him when he was like 16 and then he was in our academy team, but he had to go to Peterborough and other places to make his mark. Adam Armstrong, who's now playing for Southampton, scoring goals in the Premier League, he had to go to Blackburn to make his mark. Like the only real players we've that we've got from the academy that have shown in the first team is the Longstaff brothers. Mm. Um, and even like, even even now they're not you know what they've a been bigged up to be and b what you'd hope they they are. Yeah, like we were speaking, Matty Longstaff and Sean Longstaff even was rumoured to go to Man United for 50 mil two seasons ago. We nearly yeah. sold them in the summer for like 8 mil. Like they've not lived up to the potential and that's because we don't have the relevant facilities for these players. So I love that don't she's got Don't think you've got the uh, facilities for that big man. Yeah, obviously you're an absolute joker, mate. You're a joker. Um, Lewis is very ill by the way, everybody. So yeah. wish him well. Give him it's... all the sympathy because he loves it. Survive COVID for a year. You don't need to give me sympathy, mate, because I'm happy as Larry because we're the richest club in the world. Um, just letting <laughs> that back in there. But yeah, no, it, it's great to see that they have got their priorities right. They know what they need to. They know it's not a quick fix, this club. They're not going to come in, buy a shitload of players, and it's all going to be dandy. We've actually got to genuinely be worried that we could get relegated this year. We're going to nah, need some players in January. Don't like. I know that, but... We need a new manager. We need a new uh, sporting director. Mm-hmm. We need a new director of football. And we've got some really good names in the line. So in talking of manager, um, it's been heavily touted that Brendan Rodgers is our main target. He has come out and said he's dedicated to the Leicester project. They always say that though, don't they? Money talks, yeah, however. Yeah. He's got 100%. like a 15 million buyout clause, I think. So... We've got the money to release him, but do you want a manager that doesn't want to be at the club? Maybe not. No, no. If you look at available managers, Antonio Conte, Frank Lampard, potentially. If you're any available manager in the world, you don't think twice about this. Like, look at Man City. This project is has the potential to be ten times bigger than Man City. Yeah, and 
I'm sure they will not hesitate to spend because I think from an from an, their owner's perspective, they've just come in, they've got all the love and support, but that love and support is only going to you know be implemented properly if you do what the fans have been missing out on for so long, and that is spend money, buy players, upgrade the team, upgrade the facilities, get the academy going, get Newcastle challenging for these titles that they have themselves promised. Yeah, definitely. And like like I said on last week's pod, I never wanted to be a top four team. Obviously, it's it's great to think about. Like, that's dreaming. Like, don't get me wrong. I would love to see my team win the Premier League in my lifetime. That would be incredible. But right now, like the past couple of years, it's not like I've been like, we should be winning leagues. We should be winning cups. We should at least be challenging and actually putting in effort. Like, one of the banners that went around during this whole thing was we don't want a team that wins. We want a team that tries. Like, and mm. we've not had that. There was no ambition at this club for so long and now there actually is. Um, and I think one of the big things that shows the ambition is our current uh, sporting director or like managing director, whatever you want to call it, director of football, is Lee Charnley. He has been a yes man to Mike Ashley for years. Every big decision he's had to go to Ashley with and Ashley does not know anything about football. He just had the money. We are looking at potentially recruiting uh, a guy called Ralph Rangnick. Rangnick? I don't know how to pronounce his surname. I mean, it's Ralph mm. Rangnick. He's a German geezer and he is responsible for RB Leipzig's upcoming, RB Salzburg's upcoming. And you look at the players that are signed for them, Timo Werner, that's where he's come from and then obviously signed for um, Chelsea and he's a a fantastic German international. Salzburg obviously got Haaland up from out of nowhere. So, mm-hmm. and that's all. Yeah, I've actually heard about this guy. The uh, yeah, that the German guy. Yeah, um, uh, I've like yeah, because I've seen the. Is it is he still at Leipzig now? Or is he is he free? I think he's currently at one of those clubs, but it's like he could be drawn away from it. I, I don't quote me on that. I just know he's in the running and he is responsible for their two clubs uprising. If you look at, because them two in recent years, previously they weren't even a top tier team. Um, no. RB Leipzig anyway. I think they've only been around since like 2008. And mm, it's new. because like they are, RB Leipzig and RB Salzburg, their owners are in the top 10 richest club in the world. So obviously yeah. they have had money injected into them, which is why they are where they are. But it was, it was also about the right appointments. If you appoint the right managing director or sporting director and the right manager, you're going to get results. And that's what they've done. And I'm hoping mm-hmm. that's what we've done. Our manager options, we've also been looking at Lucien Favre. Obviously, at the moment, Bruce is still at the helm. Um, Bruce is he at has, the wheel, mate. Mate, he's managed 999 games. His next game will be his 1,000th. We've still got three days. Uh, when you listen to this, technically two days to sack him to mug him off for his a thousandth game. I did see a tweet. It was just like, but would you want him sacked before this first game? Because realistically, you're not going to get another manager in by Sunday evening. So I think I don't know. I mean, I'm not a Newcastle fan, but from from my side, I'm just thinking I don't see the point in sacking him until you've got someone lined up. Yeah. Uh, I'm on. I'm on the edge personally. Um, I agree. I don't think sacking him before a game is. It's not ideal, but it would show the intent that you know that they're not. That's not his direction. I'm like. I'm on the fence about it because yeah, you want to go into this game against Spurs on the weekend on Sunday. You know, with a manager and with tactics, but 
Bruce hasn't had tactics for months, mate. Like, mm. you look at the change last year, we only survived because we signed Graham Jones in the summer or in the um, in the January transfer window. And then he was called up to the England squad. And he's a large part of why England was scoring tactically. He, had, um, he helped Gareth Southgate come up with those tactics. So if we do sack Bruce before then, I'm happy with the lieutenant we have in Graham Jones for the time being. It just shows mm-hmm. the intent. Like I said... I don't, you want to go into it with a manager, but I'm very confident that the backup we have or who I imagine would be the lieutenant, Graham Jones, he would still be able to do a job for us in the meantime. And it would just mm-hmm. show intent more than anything. But like like I said, we're two days away. I can't see it happening now. It was supposed to be yeah. announced Wednesday if it was going to happen, really. Well, I think I think everyone's seen all the talk, etc., with who the potential manager could be. Uh, who Who do you want? You are a um, Newcastle fan, mate. Who do you want? I like the idea of Antonio Conte. Yeah, I think I that's the he, best option. Yeah, I liked what he done at Chelsea. Very happy with what he done at Chelsea. Obviously, won you the league in his first season. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, he started off shaky, didn't he? He, he tried a back four, and then yep, he reverted to a back five, which yep. we're used to playing. Like, we play um, Richie on the left wing back, or Jamal Lewis, or Mankio, and... Um, I can't even think who our other right wing back is because we don't really have one. Um, and Whatever happened to that Yedling guy that you had that was like we, meant to be the next American superstar in football? He went to Galatasaray. So he sold it. We bought him from Tottenham and he was mm. like, well, he was fast. He was like a bit flary. Mm. And then he was, he was good. Like he was reliable, but he didn't really have anything else. Like he was just yeah. fast. No, um, mate. I think if you can get, if you can get Conte, which I, I think that's the most realistic t- uh, target right now because he's one of the best managers that's in the roster that's free and available. I think this is the sort of job that he would happily take the helm of. And, mate, if you can win the Premier League in your first season with Victor Moses playing every single game, <laughs> you must <laughs> be pretty true. decent. Yeah, he must have some tactics. Is it that he was your right wing back? And like I said, we kind of play that system, the five at the back all the time. It's what mm-hmm. our players are currently used to. So if we can get a manager like... Um, like Antonio Conte, because like I said, it's a project. It's a long-term project. It's not going to be, you know, next season we're going to win the league. It's going to be maybe four or five will be challenging. We don't even say we're going to win it within five years. Obviously, that's the hope. But Mm. yeah, I think, but then again, Antonio Conte never stays at a job long. So is he going to take on that long-term project? He was at your club for a year and a half. He won the league with Inter Milan and then left. Um, I think he was at Juventus for a couple of years, so he has got prior to doing a few years. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, is he gonna is he gonna stick it out? Is he gonna be the man to carry us through? Frank Lampard, you know, can he do it? He done well at Manchester for a little, uh, not Manchester at Chelsea for a little bit because he had good players, but we haven't seen what he can do with poorer players. And Brendan Rodgers, yeah, he's a fantastic manager. Look what he's done with Leicester; he's done brilliant things with them, uh, getting them. Uh, Europa League football winning the FA Cup close to Champions League football two seasons in a row but he's not available so we've really got to look at this I'm I'm excited for this new era I really am so yes of course as we know we unfortunately had to deal with the uh, forever painful international break once again and I was actually uh, I'd actually noticed I thought this was going to be there's always that last international break then there's like nothing till like March era uh, era time and um, and uh, I saw that 
this is only the end of international football. I hate to announce this, sadly, for another four weeks. So in another four weeks' time, there is another international break. And I just think the buzz of watching England again since the Euros has just completely gone flat. So obviously England played two games over this um, period. We had Andorra away. Um, yep, huge. And then uh, Hungary at home, um, which was always going to be a little bit spicy after the first encounter away from home. But yeah, we'll start off with Andorra away. Um, yeah, very comfortable 5-0 win. Um, I've seen... Sancho absolutely destroy a 41-year-old in a 1v1, so much so that he pulled his poor hamstring, bless. Uh, Grealish grabbed his first goal um, with an absolutely beautiful assist from um, Johnston in goal. Uh, do do love when a, a keeper can get on the assist sheet. And then obviously the likes of Chilwell and Abraham scoring as well. Uh, very easy game. I don't know if you've seen much of this one, but yeah, it was just controlled from start to finish. And to be fair, it's, it's, it's Andorra. Um, we, we, we should be getting these sort of results. Yeah, I caught the game from about 50 minutes on. I was in mm. London uh, out for a friend's birthday and then we went to a sports bar and watched from about 50 minutes on. So I think I scored, mm. saw three of the goals. But that mm. Johnston one was the pick of the bunch for me. It was fantastic. That throw, yeah. Jack Grealish kind of does get a bit lucky. Um, it, I think it clips off one of the back heels of the defender, but then he slots it home and, you know, first goal, you're going to take it. It's what he's there for. Um Overall, it was a really good game in terms of just like attacking football. We constantly had him on the back foot, but it is Andorra. Like, we should be winning this 5 0. Like, it wouldn't settle for anything less. But I think the, one of the funniest things out of this is you see Sancho talking about uh, the 41 year old in like the Free Lions camp when he's yeah, like, Yeah, I did see it. Yeah. He's like, Mate, 41 years old, man. You can't blame him. I couldn't even run like that. Yeah, he's just like, you can't laugh at a guy, man. <laughs> Did you also see the uh, the fan in the stands that was like, Grealish can have your shirt, I've also got big calves. Yeah, yeah, and he did have fucking massive calves, to be fair. He had some calves on him. Fair play to go. And, yeah, and Grealish actually did give him his shirt after the game as well, which was uh, was really good. And the reporter after said, you're going to cherish the uh, the England shirt for, obviously, the game he's called first your first goal. goal yeah. And he was like... Nah, I've just given it that guy over there because he said he's got big calves and he, he did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I loved, I love his accent as well. Like every time he talks, I just yeah, I quite like the Birmingham accent. I I think it's decent. I just yeah, like he's definitely it. helped it. He's definitely helped uh, remove the stereotype because I think he's just the most idolised man in football now for a lot of people. Because he's a baller. Like every well. every guy wants to be him. Every girl wants to be with him. Like he's a mm-hmm. baller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's. Uh, and he's got, we've been he's... saying this for a lot longer than before the Euros. So come on, the boys. <laughs> yeah, literally. And then finally, the last England game: England at home at Wembley, too hungry. And yours truly, Lewis Smith, was at the game. Talk to me. How was it? Um, it was very, very disappointing. Um. Mm. Yeah, it just, we looked really flat, which we beat Hungary at Hungary, like what, 5 0, wasn't it? I think, I think it was 5 0, like yeah. It was very much a second half performance 5 0, but it was a 5 0. Um, don't worry, I think Hungary are a good side. They were in the group of death, and they very nearly made it out of the group of death in the Euros. I remember in the last Euros, they beat, they held all the World Cup, they held Portugal to a 3 0 at one point. Like, they've got good players. They, yeah. They have got a good unit. Um, I didn't realise Galashi's their goalie as well. Yeah, of is who's he playing for? Is it Leipzig he plays for? Leipzig, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it's Leipzig. And uh yeah, 
they've got a good setup there. They know what they're doing. They know their roles. But we tore them apart in the last game. But this one was just very disappointing. We looked, and the thing is, is we've we've been calling out for them to start Grealish, Foden, Mount, Kane. We've done that all Euros, and he didn't do it. He's done it in this game, and it did look flat. Uh, Declan Rice does need someone next to him. I personally, Declan Rice was great in this game, though. Don't get me wrong. You do really see watching it as well. It's the first time I've seen him play live and you really do see what he does and like how he just was all constantly running, constantly trying to chase people down or cut out the danger and then move forward. Um, Mount, for me, in this game was very, very non-existent. I actually forgot he was playing. Someone, mm. we got, like I was with my cousin and someone I work with and um, we got a text in like a group chat saying uh, this has been Mount's poorest game and I actually said to Tom I was like I completely forgot he was playing because I didn't see him do anything um, yeah and I think the most disappointing thing of all of this is the only person that was offering any kind of attacking talent was Jack Grealish and he is the first player subbed off Tetra were all saying the same they were like really confused about it like I said he was the best player going forward and um, yeah I think <sighs> Grealish just he's so diverse he just opens doors for us and once he went off, the game was just, like you said, f even flatter. Yeah, we started off really well as well. Like One of the um, first moves of note was where Luke Shaw had the ball, running down the left side, passes Jack Grease. He does a lovely little... You know, I don't really know what to call the skill. Like, like you know, and it's like a back heel, but like a side back heel. And then Luke Shaw runs onto it. Yeah, and then he whips yeah. the ball in at a lovely angle. It's like, wax it in that corridor of uncertainty and then uh, the defender gets it and we get a corner out of it and we started off the game really well and then they get a penalty and mm. after that we just were shit um, from where I was as well it didn't look like a penalty it looked like a high foot but he didn't even catch him yeah I think it probably was a penalty to be honest it's yeah. just like I thought it was just stupid like put your head to it like why are you putting your foot out of nowhere because it looked like it was set up for him to jump up and head it but I don't know, he just puts his leg up and just goes to whack yeah. it. And, like, don't worry, it's yeah. a very high foot, I get that. Just but, a bit stupid. Yeah, it's just, just a stupid play. And unfortunately, give away a penalty. We, everyone was shouting for, yeah, Grealish, to, uh, not Grealish, Pickford to save it. But unfortunately, wasn't to be. And mm. then, John Stones does get a goal back. Great header. Um, oh no, it wasn't even a header, was it? It was um, it was a like kind of a tap-in. Went near post. Yeah. One of the Hungarian the, players yeah, yeah, the back yeah. post and slide in. And then he had a header later on in the game in the second half. He could have had a hat trick. Everyone <laughs> thought it went in. Where we were, it looked, yeah, it looked like it went so in. Much like it. it looked like it went in from at home when I was watching it. Yeah, because it. I was on the side where the cameras were. So, yeah, mm. it would have been the same. And everyone was cheering. And then you just see the ball just bouncing behind the net. And you're like, oh, mm. no. It's not in. Oh, no. Then, uh, yeah surprised in England we normally win these games like 1-0 or something if we play this bad but no, Hungary got the penalty scored the goal and to be fair I think Hungary actually played quite well like the press that they had they were running for this yeah. game obviously a lot of parking the bus sort of tactics came involved but you're 1-0 up away to England you're not going to keep attacking them yeah and especially because they need as many points as they can get because yeah. they are looking to qualify for the World Cup so mm -hmm. whereas mm -hmm. we're kind of in cruise control they're looking to qualify for the World Cup. So, yeah, we had, it was a disappointing game from our perspective. Hungary had, you know, a great team performance. Like you said, they pressed very well and it was good on their behalf. But, unfortunately, yeah. their fans have let them down once again. 
um, yeah. with sickening scenes uh, that had happened. It all kicked off in the Hungarian fans uh, section while we were there. Um, one of the Hungarian fans was racist towards a steward. And then there's been videos and reports that have come since of like the police having to back off hitting them with truncheons because the Hungarian fans just coming at them. Um, yeah, it's, it's obviously not strange. nice to see. I was under the impression Hungarian fans were banned. Yeah, so that's what I thought because you, you said that. Um, but I think it was 800 were allowed. Um, but yeah, I remember I messaged you saying, what's going on in the away end? And you went, I said, what's all the violence in the away And you were like, what violence? You weren't even fucking there. Yeah, so we were like, obviously in true fashion, <laughs> too busy drinking beers, uh, kind of missed the first, I think, five minutes. Um, and that's when it all kicked off. But we saw like the aftermath of it because where we were, we were on the top tier and they were down to our left. So you could see them. Like when they scored, there was green flares and shit. So you could mm. see them. But like where they were, they were kind of, where the fight was kind of happening, was kind of hidden by uh, like the row of seats yeah, uh, yeah, where we were a bit higher. Range, yeah. So I didn't see it all. But obviously mm-hmm. I've seen the videos that have surfaced since. And one thing you said is like you kind of expect um, England to grind out a one 0 win at a game like this. This is actually the first time England have failed to win a qualifying match at Wembley since two thousand uh, twenty twelve. Wow, I mean, yeah. we always perform really well in qualifiers, and I think just because the there's not really the pressure on because we always know we're going to qualify. Like we, we, you get like even sometimes you, not at all, but you will get like one other team in the group that's oh, you, okay. They could maybe like challenge to uh, finish first. Um, I can't remember who else is in our group this year. I think who... Uh, so you've got Hungary, Albania. Oh, it's Poland is the other one that we... Yeah, that's it, Poland. And we beat Poland away. Um, uh, but again, I think... I mean, we're cl- clearly going to cruise through to qualify. Um, but yeah, we... Uh, yeah, just a probably a bit of an off day for England. Um, not too entertaining. But then one game that was definitely entertaining over the international break was the Nations League final between France and Spain in Italy in the San Siro. Um, bit of a boring first half, to be honest. I think a bit stubborn, nil-nil at half-time. And then second half, everyone loves a second half. It got oh, a bit more spicy. Spain actually taking the lead here, uh, going 1-0 up on about the 64th sort of minute. And then Benzema gets the ball out on the left-hand side, cuts in and just bangs on top bins to make it 1-1, literally two minutes later. And I thought, oh, we've got a right game on here. And then I think with 10 minutes to go, the ball is played through to Kylian Mbappe, who is clearly offside. But the Spanish defender just gets a slight touch on it and the referees deem that as a as a new, new piece of live play. And Mbappe pounced on it. Fair play to him, fantastic finish, does his little skill and, and puts it um and puts it past I think it was Simon in goal to make it two one, but then the uproar from like the the Spanish backroom staff, the the Gaffer Luis Enrique and, and even pundits and every everyone was just saying that is not uh an interception of any sort of kind from the defender. And Bappe's clearly offside. He should have still been offside and it, the goal should have been chalked off, but wasn't to be the case. And France actually went on to win 2-1 in the end. And uh, yeah, another nice little trophy in their cabinet. Yeah, and deserved. If if, it's, if they're going to deserve it, it's because of Benzema's goal, mate. That's a piece mm-hmm. of class. One of the most underrated footballers. Um, he is an absolute baller. He's not mm-hmm. talked about enough for how good he is. His goal-scoring record is incredible for Real Madrid. I think he's Real Madrid's... Um, leading goal scorer in the Champions League as well, which when you consider the likes Ronaldo was there, is mad. Mm. 
I mean, you you don't you you can't be the number nine at one of the, arguably the biggest club in the world for ten years and not, you know, get the, deserve it, the respect that he's uh, that he's not given. Um, but yeah, fantastic player. Two one win for France here. It's a bit of a weird one, the UEFA Nations League. It was like I hadn't even really heard about it, and then bang, it was semi final straight away, um, well, and then the final before you know it. To be fair, it was kind of like that when we were in it two years ago, wasn't it? It was kind yeah, of like literally. You'd done all the qualifiers. Next thing you know, you got the semis and the final within a week of each other, and I was like, "What? Mm. What's going on?" Yeah, like, uh, what was this? <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, that concludes the international break. We are back to normal football this weekend. The Premier League is back. Sadly, only for four weeks, but the Premier League is back. And yeah, with the Premier League back, that does mean teams are going to be back in action. One team just before we do go and speak about the Premier League, just I think we need to give a bit of a shout out to Denmark, mate. Eight World Cup qualifying games, eight mm-hmm. wins, 27 goals scored, no mm-hmm. goals conceded. That is solid performance. We saw how well they done in the uh, Euros this summer. We kind of big, we both bigged them up as kind of the dark horses. They got to the semi-finals, but were beaten by the mighty England. Come on! But <laughs> they have got an unbeaten, perfect record in the World Cup qualifiers at the moment. So fair play to them. Hats off to the boys. Go on, the lads. Yeah, a lot of clean sheets for just Schmeichel, but then. Uh, in the Super 6, the uh, Leicester game is included, Leicester versus Man United, so I'm sure Bruno and Ronaldo would like to change that. But yeah, let's get on to Super 6. Perfect. So, the Super 6 games that we have chosen this week are Villa versus Wolves, a lovely little Birmingham derby. Leicester versus Man United, the Smichael derby. Man City <laughs> versus Burnley, a shit derby. Uh, Brentford versus Chelsea, a London derby. Newcastle versus Spurs, the Musa Sissoko derby. And Arsenal versus Palace, the Patrick Vieira derby. Here we go, (laughs) it's all the derbies. Um, (laughs) That was good too, Falcon. I literally just done it on the spot. I panicked when I got to Palace Arsenal, though. I could not think. (laughs) You could have literally just said a London derby. (laughs) Oh, I could have. I could have. But luckily, Patrick Vieira is the current Palace manager and ex. Arsenal legend. So let's predict the games. Yep. Up first, Villa versus Wolves in the uh, the Midlands derby. Um, uh, uh, do you know what? I've not actually fucking even thought about what I'm going to say for these scores. Shit. Um, I'm going to go one all. I mean, that's a very good shout because I was very close to saying one all as well. Um, I'm Yeah, again, I'm not too sure because Wolves are just about to hit a bit of form. They won the last two games against Southampton and Newcastle. Villa are doing well, but they're kind of just drawing games. So I get where you're coming from with that. But I am going to go with 2-1. Now Jimenez has got on the score sheet. Uh, So 2-1 Wolves, that is, sorry. I've backed Jimenez Mm -hmm. in my FPL team this week. So I'm going 2-1. 2-1. Leicester versus Man United. I'm going with 3-1 Man United. I think both... Not really performing well so far. I mean, Man United are up there, but they've not played any. This is their first big challenge. Um, I mean, to, actually, no, to be fair, they've not got Varane or Maguire. Uh, but I still think they'll stick it out against a Leicester team that's, yeah, bang out of form. Saw how poor they were against Palace away the other day when they bottled a 2 0 lead, which they didn't even deserve at the time. So, yeah, 3 1 Man United. Uh, I'm going to go over 1 0. Uh, again, mm-hmm. I think the Varane Maguire thing could come to bite them, could potentially see a Leicester upset here. Um, 
Yeah, I'm going to go over one all just because I don't think Man United are gelling well as a team. They've got a very hard running as well coming up. I've taken mm-hmm. Ronaldo out of my team um, because they've got like City, Liverpool, um, Spurs, obviously Leicester who are up there at the moment or should mm-hmm. be up there. Uh, see, I'm going to go over one haul here because I just don't think Man United are a cohesive unit at the moment. How they were against um, Everton the other day was just, yeah, shocking. Yeah, no, yeah, fair play. I think I can see this one being a draw as well. Uh, Man City versus Burnley. I think Man City will nick it 1-0. It was between 5-0 and 1-0. It could go either way, but I'm saying 1-0. I've gone with a 5-0. Have you won for 5 0? Well, yeah, because they've, the, their last three results against Burnley have been 5 0. They're going for the quadruple. They're going for the quadruple, yeah. And to be fair, it wouldn't surprise me if it happened. But yeah, I just think because like, the likes of Man City when they were at home against Southampton and stuff like that, and they can tend to drop points. But I think I think they'll win, but I think it will just, it'll be quite narrow. So 1 0 Man City. Uh, Brentford versus Chelsea in the uh, London derby. Uh, Brentford on you know some really good form, sit seventh in the Premier League. Uh, but these are the games we got to win. And other than potentially Rudiger uh, being out, we've pretty much got a full squad. I mean, to be fair, we've got such depth. We've pretty much always guaranteed a full squad anyway. Um, but I'm going to say 2-0 Chelsea. I was very... So, it's going to sound weird because they're two very different results. But I was tempted to go for um, a 2 all just because how good Brentford have played against the big teams. I think Thomas yep. Frank has got them set up really well. But I am going to go with a 3-1 Chelsea. Again, mm-hmm. it sounds weird considering I, I was tempted with a 2 all, but I just think you'll have too much for them. Um, you, I hope so. The thing is, you seem to grind out results. Like Liverpool and City are kind of blowing teams away at the moment, and you know they, they look amazing everywhere, every team they play at. Um, it's very fluid football. Whereas Chelsea are just kind of grinding out these results. Um, and like you grinded out a Southampton win. It, I know it was a three-one win, but it was down to a James Ward-Prowse red card. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna say three-one Chelsea here. I think you'll just have too much for Brentford. Yeah. Okay. Fair shout. Then, to be fair, away from like obviously my own team playing, this is the game I'm most looking forward to. <laughs> I think I'm just as excited for it as you. I just want to, and I guarantee, I guarantee you beat Spurs. If you keep Bruce, I think if you were well, to get rid of him, it might upset things. I mean, I don't really know. It could go either way, but I think you will batter Spurs three-one. I think the, I think the stadium will be electric. Yeah, you 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 hear about the new like new manager bounce and the the new manager gets a win after his first game in charge, but we're hoping for a new owner bounce here. Um, what did you say? So what did you predict? Sorry, three-one. 3-1 Newcastle, wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go over 1-0 Newcastle win. I'm feeling confident. No, know... there's goals in this one, mate. There's think... goals in this one, 100%. I don't know. If there's goals in it, mate, I'd be tempted to back a 5-3 when we beat them on the last game of the season. And we still we got relegated Wasn't it 5-1? As well. oh, it might be 5-1. Well, Alexander Mitrovic yeah, got a red him. card, battered them 5-1, and we went, and we still got relegated. Yeah, and they then just, bought Moose as a Zoko off us for 30 mil. <laughs> wasn't that the season Tottenham Bottom were challenging league. Leicester? Yeah, and they came third in a two-horse race. Yeah. It, oh, yeah, they did, brilliant. didn't they? Yeah, because didn't Arsenal yeah. overtake them last Arsenal minute? Arsenal came second in the end. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> because we beat them 5-1. Or, yeah, literally just because of you, but yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm saying Newcastle, I think you'll absolutely wipe the floor with them. I think everyone's going to be so up for it because I think the players are going to be buzzing. Um, so, yeah. 
easy, easy 3-1 win for you guys. And then to conclude, Arsenal Palace, always an entertaining game this one. I've gone 2-1 Arsenal. Uh, I've gone 2-0 Arsenal. I think Patrick mm. Vieira might put out a weak side to let his beloved Arsenal win. Uh, oh God, can you imagine? <laughs> oh mate, imagine if he did that. No, 2-0 uh, Arsenal, they look great form. Their performance against Spurs recently, uh, Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe really are absolutely bossing it for him at the moment. Their defence has really shored up now with this Tommy Yatsu and I've got his name right. I went and done some research because I couldn't remember it last time. Uh, yeah, with this Tommy Yatsu and Ben White is, he had a shaky start but he's fitting into the team really well. Aaron Ramsdale's great in goal as well. Yeah, so, he's huge. Yeah, going to go 2-0 Arsenal on this one and I'm I'm buzzing for this weekend of football now looking at it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a good one. <laughs> That's it. That rounds up episode number 55 of the It's Football Day podcast. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we recently celebrated our one-year anniversary of the podcast. Um, on, oi, oi. Oi, oi. Uh Yeah, when was it? was it? Was it yesterday or the day before? So you're hearing uh, this on Friday and we celebrated it on Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Tuesday. Celebrated on Tuesday. So that was when ago. we released our first episode, uh, the introduction episode, on the 16th. So this Saturday would be our first official episode that we released where we had our predictions for last season. And yeah, we just want to say thank you, everyone that's downloaded, listened, shared. Um, your support's been incredible. We've got over 2,300 downloads now, uh, which in a year we're absolutely buzzing with. We're across like four continents. We've got North America, Australia, Europe and Africa listeners. So, mate, thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> Tune in for some more. Always. But yeah, as always, thank you for listening. You know where to find us at It's Football Day XI on Instagram and Twitter. It's that's wrong. That is very wrong. At It's Football Day Come underscore. On, you never get this part wrong. I know, I'm just like a fucking robot. I always get it right. Uh, at It's Football Day underscore on Instagram and Twitter. It's Football Day XI on Facebook. Go over there, check us out. Thanks for listening. And as always, we will see you next time. Thank you.